everyone. Thank you for tuning into today's podcast. So today we're going to be spilling the royal tea. Sorry, I I stole this joke from Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> we're going to talk about something which I think must have popped up on everybody's social media timelines and family groups and whatnot. It's the Meghan Markle and Prince Harry interview with Oprah. uh which aired on sunday and made a lot of revelations about the royal family so in light of that we're going to discuss whether royal families are even relevant anymore and whether it's time to stop talking about them and retiring our fascination with them this is shishti your host and to start off with let's talk about like a quick introduction to this harry megan interview and takeaways from it how did people react Hey uh this is Rajvi I'm the co-producer of this podcast uh so yeah when when they did this interview right like everybody was talking about like how Meghan Markle is so candid and so brave and uh also like Oprah's like interviewing skills so you know like Meghan Markle talked about how she felt suicidal and she was not given any support by the royal family how she experienced racism how like members of the royal family uh at one point expressed concern over like what the color of her baby's skin would be uh because meghan markle is biracial and prince harry is white um so yeah like i i personally i felt like the entire interview revealed m- much of what we already knew about the british royal family like i mean they're like bigoted rich white people who created like a hostile environment for meghan markle like i think we already knew this um but like reactions on social media like people were exclaiming at the new information uh some were saying it's not surprising at all What did you guys think when you saw the interview? Have you seen the interview? Hey, this is Aditi. I just I'm making an entire personality out of not caring about this. Like I refuse to care about this. But like from the little that I've seen, it's just uh, like who is surprised? It's just like that family literally invented colonialism. But I'm enjoying the jokes though. I'm enjoying the memes. Yeah, I'm with Aditi. This is Carla. I just could not care less about this royal family. I don't. understand the fascination i'm i'm not remotely interested i don't care what these people do but i do think this megan interview is a really great litmus test for kind of seeing how people react um and whether they're really as sort of uh open minded i guess and progressive in their values as they like to think they are um because I disagree with you Rajvi i don't think everybody knew she was treated very badly and everyone agrees the the sexist misogynistic implications are there in so many layers and you can just see it from the way people are reacting to the interview i also think i don't know that immediately makes me think of simi grewal's tweet on this uh simi grewal for people who don't know it i realize for like people who might be younger she might not even be anyone who they know but she's to host this iconic uh interview show called uh, rendezvous with simi grewal and she's to be um, an actor and she put out this this tweet saying that Meghan Markle is evil and then her next tweet was like i take that back evil was too strong she's very calculating <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i think there are a lot of people who um are like turning this against Meghan Markle and like obviously you know what i mean this institution isn't going to go down because it stands on 
on the shoulders of people who believe the very same kind of bigoted racist stuff that the royal family stands for but it's interesting because i think carla and aditi both of you said that you don't like understand why people are into this or like why anybody would care about this um i don't know shishti exactly where you stand if you kind of consume royal family content or not um but like there are there have been like many like psychological explanations for why people are drawn to like the royal family are like drawn to royalty um and like we right now we're moving away from you know just like the wealth and the fame and the celebrity because i mean the same could be said about kim kardashian or any any other celebrity that we know right uh, but the royal family in itself um this one psychologist says um that like when life is chaotic it's comforting to see a structure uh and that where that structure creates a semblance of order so this structure that we're talking about is like the hierarchical like royal family they've lived in the same place forever you know they have the titles and it's very ordered and structured and rigid and has been for what what like centuries or something um and so psychologically speaking there may be a layer in which people kind of look to their um where the the, the modern political establishments that they live in and the societies that they live in um feel inexplicably chaotic um that they would look to something that's more has been more stable over the years of of course with megan markle all of that's appended a little bit but okay i have a totally unscientific opinion not based in any research but i asked i asked my kids this morning who are four and a half and seven i said why do you guys like princesses like why are you why are you interested in princesses or why do you like to play princesses and the older one said because they're the rulers of everything and they get to do whatever they want and to me, I thought it kind of hit the nail on the head because I think that all of us have this fascination with, with monarchies and royalty as having infinite wealth, right? And so therefore like complete unfettered sort of agency to do whatever they want without any sort of budgetary restrictions and unfettered power. And there's something about being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, unconstrained by anything that seems, you know, not, nobody else in the world lives that way, right? So there's something sort of fantastical and really um, enticing about that idea. So, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, Carla, because I feel like, you know, it's not so much about having like power over everything and on now as it is about what they stand for, which is um, a wealth which is inherited and which is um, a marker of taste in a certain way. They're the ultimate sign of our obsession with like class and just being able to attain things. So, you know, what jewelry they wear, what dresses they wear, what hats they're wearing. I feel like it's become a lot more about that, even our cons consumption of royal content, than actually about the kind of power they have, which we know is mostly all um, tied to law. And the kind of wealth that they own is also interesting to us because they have castles and they have like these different homes and they have like, you know, homes with history and heritage and all of that. So I feel like it's kind of changed into that. The irony of that, Trishti, is I actually wonder all these people who, um, you know, voraciously consume royal content, I wonder if they realize just how little these people actually own anymore, right? So compared to the average person, of course, they're still filthy rich, right? But compared to the other mega wealthy people in the world, they're not even close. And they're basically on a government salary. Like they're basically government employees that have to, that get paid to give up all their privacy, show up to weird events, participate in this pageantry. They live in like 
houses that belong to the state, right? They don't own them personally. So there's just this entire like fiction that's been spun around their wealth that is just totally incorrect. I don't know how many people actually know that. Carla, it's interesting uh, that you bring up like how they, these people don't really own much because uh, you're right, absolutely right about like the British royal family and how they're kind of, you know, like as employees of the state. I think in India, it works a little differently because these people do have uh, like there are what like I think maybe 20 to 25 ish type royal families that are still kind of functional in India right now. And they do own uh, their palaces and stuff, but like obviously uh, they don't rule anymore. So they've had to do uh, these like business people type decisions uh, to stay afloat. So like in India, for example, there's the Mewars, right? They reside in the Udaipur. Uh, the, the dude's like a nominal king and he owns like 10 hotels under the HRH group. Um, so it's like a weird I mean then obviously then there's like the Royals of Jaipur who have like Airbnb tie-ups and then do you guys know the Magnetic Fields Festival that happens every year in Alcisa like that's also a king like a prince who's co-sponsoring it every year so yeah I guess like on Instagram they look like these prince influencer people um, who have these like palaces and these like you know like these outfits and this wealth and these cars and whatever um, but at the end of the day, they are just like wealthy business people. Like sure, like their name is what gets them in the door and gets them all of these like big tie-up opportunities and stuff. But like at the end of the day, I don't see them as any different from just wealthy people who had like a leg in the door and now they're doing something else. No, um, I think Rajni, that's absolutely true. And I feel like the royal family has a different connotation in Britain, which is I like clearly the most visible and the most impactful um, around the world. And in India, you also know that it's all kind of for show. You know they're not really wealthy. Uh, if you have to give out your home for other people to share it with, you know that you're not in the best shape. But people still really love seeing those pictures of stuffed tigers and like, you know, people posing with like uh, those hunting dogs in like their palace grounds or whatever, like. Oh, princess influencers and prince influencers which is a whole subcategory here so I feel like it's still our obsession with like holding on to that time and the aesthetic and the feeling of a time which we know is kind of gone but we do it nonetheless because we find it like aesthetically appealing yeah and also like pop culture doesn't really do away like justice to like these kinds of things right I mean like when we think of I don't know like most most of the time when we're seeing royalty in movies is these historical epics like Bajira Mastani or I don't know Padmavat or something right but like modern ideas of royalty I think the movie Khubsura did a really good job of this because they are they are showing Fawad Khan as this businessman who is the prince of this palace and the movie is shown from the perspective of uh, Sonam Kapoor who is um, like a whatever I think she's a physiotherapist who is like the common folk or whatever and she's like the whole thing is through her eyes to be like look how ridiculous this place is um, and look how ridiculous these rigid stoic people are like you know living in the order of whatever their dynastic like like power, like family dynamics and stuff like that but then at the end of the day, she does like find out that, oh, this is like any other dude. Like he's going to other Maharajas to do like strike deals with, oh, can I use your palace? Will you sell me this palace? Will you do this? I mean, obviously the stakes are higher, but at the at the end of the day, it is still just like deals like anything else, um, which was, I think, very surprising to me because I had no idea how royals operated in modern day India. And because of that, I was like, okay, maybe this can be true. 
do you think we're losing out on anything though like we're thinking okay it's fine like it's a business royalty thing and they're selling us royalty and they're selling us the certain lifestyle which is why we go to their heritage hotels and we stay there and we help their businesses and help them become influencers but do you think we're losing out on anything by not challenging this or by aiding this like continuing um hold of royalty over like i don't know our cultural consumption and what we consider to be like aesthetically appealing yeah i mean i think 100% uh, so to take exa- india as an example right like i think india abolished the monarchy in like the 1970s so all of these people have no official power nothing like they have like no- like i say nominal titles um and uh, i do think that because they're royalty and because the media also gives them so much bhav in like these you know the 10 most royal influencers on instagram type whatever um like they are also kind of forced a little bit to follow all the societal norms uh, and niceties that like come with uh, being royal or being seen as royal like i was reading this bbc article uh, that is recounting like this one journalist experience uh, observing a royal wedding in rajkot gujarat um it was an 8 kilometer long procession with 5000 people 30 princes were walking in that procession in their attires like regal attires alongside camels and elephants and the groom was on a golden throne now these people rajkot is a small city it's it's a big city in gujarat but it's a very sleepy city i've been there it's boring um to have this procession go through rajkot with these people this journalist asked asked the as the people on the street who are not royalty who are not a part of the procession what do you think about this and there were a few that were like oh this is great uh, we uh, would like for the king to come back in power <laughs> i mean obviously these are anecdotes okay so there is no survey about like how how exactly witnessing these processions and this kind of grandeur and display of wealth what it does to you so yeah i feel like in the name of tradition whatever these royal families are doing to uphold uphold their royalty in like societal ways um that's still kind of creates an aspiration for us that's not healthy do you think there's any value from sort of a historical standpoint of mm-hmm. studying because if you look at the importance of some of these royal families in the sort of political history of india and also the fact that some of them were not only extraordinarily powerful but were um patrons let's say of the arts right and contributed significantly to the cultural history of india so there is something about that patronage that's important right to study the architecture to study the jewelry to study the the various like fine arts and design that came out of those periods and so to me it, it just feels like i mean i i know what you mean when you go to these hotels sometimes and it feels confusing because there it's like these relics of the past but also there's a taj hotel right but there's some value i think in in visiting them and studying them and caring about them not that i care about the influencer but what what all of it stands for the physical sort of byproducts of that history i care about those a little bit so why not turn into turn them into a museum then you know for something that anybody could like consume this history and kind of learn from it anybody could do it at a very small ticket price like why only to have it open for really wealthy people to then come have your weddings at you know yeah no but i mean look arguably like the british monarchy did that and set up a museum with all the jewels that they pillaged from you know india and everywhere else right i don't think that gets them off the hook but yeah i mean something about 
I, I guess I was thinking primarily of the Indian um, aristocracy. I think there's, if we kind of, like, okay, yeah, like, if we also talk about the British monarchy, right, and I, especially with this Meghan Markle interview, a lot of people have kind of raised this question, is it time to abolish the monarchy, or, I mean, whatever that means. Like, I, I think there's this, like, maybe there's, like, a theoretical argument that we can put here only for an argument's sake, right, um, about, like, what even the presence or the celebration of a monarchy, however symbolic, does to a society, because it is antithetical to democracy. Uh, it does, you know, as a glorify hereditary privilege, uh, people who are born into a title, born into money. So, in a very theoretical sense, aren't they also, like, as a walking remnants of colonialism? And in India, we don't look kindly upon that, you know? They totally are, but I would argue that they're not even relevant anymore. I mean, who, these these people are not culture defining. They're not culture setting, right? Like, yes, on a certain level, I guess, you know, people care sometimes what Kate Middleton wears, but is she really like the avant-garde, you know, is she setting the, the bar in fashion? Obviously not, right? So I don't know, does anyone care? But I would counter though. I mean, this is a this is a connection I have made. But uh, th- so it, when Brexit was happening, and obviously now retrospectively, I think a majority of the world agrees that Brexit was not a good idea. Um, the people, the, the demographic in the UK that voted for Brexit uh, is also the demographic uh, that wants to uphold the monarchy in whichever way, that doesn't want to abolish it. So I feel like at some level, there is this like, kind of British exceptionalism that comes into play um, when you connect those two together uh, that also we know has been the result of like imperialism and like global trauma and whatever so maybe there is something to say about just like what it stands for and maybe they don't have any power maybe they don't have any relevance um, but just if they don't have any power and they don't have any relevance then why are they still around So I think that one thing which is a bit dangerous is that I feel like, you know, when we talk about abolishing the monarchy or when, like, this is aired on American television, arguably, as in, you know, American debate and Americans get to be all like, oh my God, look at this ridiculous royal family. But you're like a, you're like the poster child of neocolonialism and imperialism, right? So when you're abolishing these titular heads who, like, while discussing barely have any powers, you're not abolishing our obsession with royalty as a concept and as a phenomenon. And again, in India, what's e- like, yeah, all of these princes and princes or princesses or whatever are kind of irrelevant. They're, most of them are broke. They're selling their homes to become hotels. But I think we're still obsessed with the idea of caste and lineage and royalty in that way, you know, and whoever is upper caste, whoever looks a certain way, whoever embodies royalty, who looks like a ruler, you kind of uphold them. You know, we talk about it when we talk about um, these people are acting royalty or these people are royalty in business or these people are uh, royalty in whatever. You know, we use it all the time when we say that. And I remember this through Saif Ali Khan's countless interviews that he's called the Nawab because he's such a gentleman and he's like so well read. It's not just India, by the way. Like, I don't know. I've experienced this all over the world. Have you guys ever had this experience where somebody's like, introducing a person or talking about a person you don't know and saying oh and they're from such and such a family and let me tell you about their family right as if it matters or has any bearing on the conversation a very common thing to do i think everywhere in the world 
yeah and also like exactly like i mean if if the wealth if the unearned wealth or whatever is something that we are um kind of targeting here like the same could be said for i don't know like political dynasties and business dynasties all around the world where children do kind of inherit you know like the family business so if in when it comes to like the gandhi family for example they inherit this political legacy and a, and a seat at the table um so yeah i think more than the royal families that i feel like we kind of agree are irrelevant like it's this concept of royalty and this unearned privilege uh, that i think i always keep coming back to to be like is there a way to abolish such a thing but i i would counter that rajvi because i would argue that there is a different the fascination with titled royalty is different and again i go back to what trishti said before it's like the, this whole class thing you know uh, there's a there's a certain distaste for like new money right but if there's like this this sort of generational wealth and there's this like old this notion of an old family that for some reason we hold up very differently um and old money with titles is like you know this everybody goes crazy for but there's something very specific about that that i think is quite different from just plain you know let's say single generational wealth for example i i i mean i think i've i've come around to your point it's also because of i think it's all in the name of tradition because these families have such a long history of tradition like i was reading this article that's talking about how um like in these royal families especially in india like only the royals like marry within each other which is you know an example of i don't know like the way that caste works in the country and class works in the country also but the same article also said that women in these families like they are sent abroad for these fancy degrees from these colleges abroad um but they are not allowed to work after they get this royal wedding done like they they have to stay at home and they'll probably be like a socialite or something but they are not allowed to kind of pursue a career um so like all of these families are treading this like very thin line between modernist and traditionalist beliefs within their own families and people look up to them to kind of set a standard um which again i think i would argue they just know nothing about you know i honestly don't think it is that because uh, like even if you come back to ideas of say why old money matters or what is the point of the difference between old money and new money and uh, why people care at the heart of it it is uh, enjoying fine things a and b wanting other people to like the fact that you're enjoying fine things and wanting other people to think that you are enjoying the right kind of fine thing and like i mean who cares about like uh, it's it's basically just sort of a giant form of posturing and a giant form of like uh, showing off which is all that matters like if you think about every single sort of uh, young adult fiction book uh, i mean for the greatest example is the princess diaries of course about this whole uh, rags to riches sort of story um it's almost always the fact that like uh, your life is inherently better because you get to enjoy finer things you get a whole makeover you are a completely different person and everybody wants to be you and that's all there is to it i think like at its core i don't think so i feel like we set a lot of stoba pedigree also you know like what is the right way to enjoy wealth what is the right thing to put your money into is also something i mean you know people like look down upon uh those who win the lottery because they just get overwhelmed with all of this money and they don't know what to do with it and like they haven't sat with the wealth like it's not a family 
legacy thing that they have so again i think it goes back to the point where we were talking about how they don't have class like and it's a combination of the two cuz i agree with aditi that i think there's a huge portion of this is that sort of unfettered wealth that ability to just like enjoy like you know pretty things and not feel bad about it also not feel bad about it because you didn't have to buy them a lot of the times they were inherited but i think that it it gets to that like it's like it's like the elitism that happens within the already elite right where like if you look at for example um you know in the states with engagement ring culture right it's become almost among certain people a little bit gauche to like buy an engagement ring like a flashy engagement ring but if it's inherited if it's like somebody's grandmother's ring right and it's a giant flashy rock then that's like that's like wonderful right but there's something about that that's considered sort of classier that's like more elegant that's more composed that's more dignified than going out and splashing a bunch of money on a brand new rock right so it's just layers of it's like the the ultimate you know highest layer of elitism okay but i have like a hot take question over here which is that within this whole thing of like luxury uh, you know luxury lifestyle and beauty and whatever do you think that the idea of royalty is harmful or do you think it's not as a concept and like my dark confession here is that i actually really like the <laughs> the royal aesthetic and like i love the the jewelry and the the stuff tigers from a past time okay it was horrible that they hunted them back then or whatever but i appreciate it much more than like whatever upcoming new and then going and coming like the other forms of luxury consumption do i guess maybe all of them shouldn't exist but just putting this out there. i am 100% proudly jumping on your bandwagon happily okay happily but the only reason i think it's okay to appreciate that stuff is because they're so irrelevant now right like if they were still politically powerful and still oppressing people in their kingdoms in the way that they did before we wouldn't be having this conversation but i think it's precisely because they're so politically and culturally sort of irrelevant that we can sort of appreciate the pretty things and say like huh it's fine okay so i disagree with you guys so yeah i mean of course it's okay to i guess it's okay to appreciate whatever i i still feel like you know like the sabya sachi royal abhi sabya sachi also kind of uh, markets his lengers very much like oh, royalty royalty this palace that palace um and also like the oh the rajasthan palace fort wedding like all of these things are not just something that a very few people in the in the country whatever appreciate like that's almost like the norm or the standard for what you aspire to and then you look at your bank account and then you see whatever version of it you can accomplish for yourself right so it's that this aspirational idea of royalty and i i do think you cannot like remove like sorry you can't extricate one from the other that royalty is always aspirational and when it is so it becomes a norm more so than a choice um which again i feel like is an unfair uh, burden to put on people but you know what i don't think royalty is aspirational anymore like it really isn't so uh, there's this researcher called Rachel Sherman okay and she did a lot of interviews with a lot of um, new york women like elite women who lived in new york and she uncovered this very particular sort of anxiety that uh, women wealthy women had and that was that they did not want to be seen as a leech or any form of like person who sort of just enjoys generational wealth because of this like 
uh, newer culture that's more situated towards uh, self-made like wealth like for example the whole Steve Jobs Mark Zuckerberg etc etc self-made billionaire sort of culture and like everybody else who doesn't get in on that part of like meritocracy like wealth equals meritocracy now is sort of seen as a leech or a parasite or somebody who's irrelevant and somebody who's boring yeah I, I think I agree with you on that part but I'm not talking about the people who are essay royals right and whether they are aspirational or like the their way of life is aspirational but it's more how the royalty part of it is pervaded into the the clothes we like and the the lifestyles that we aspire to or the um or like the I don't know the weddings that we want to have right like in those like the royalty elements that are obviously way more expensive than anything that you would normally do like it, it's that as a aspiration of the concept of royalty more than wanting to be like those royal people that I think is for us a humble yeah I mean I don't know like I also get your point Rajvi I think Carla and I both agree that our take is hot but to bring the discussion back to the Oprah interview. <laughs> uh, what do you think is the future of, of the royal family in particular? What's going to happen to the monarchy? And would we miss it if it is abolished? Home of the memes, dude. I will. Like, uh, I saw this great one uh, today about the Oprah interview that basically said, uh, there's a teapot that's fifth in line to the throne. And if you don't curtsy to the teapot, you get shot. And uh, God, I'm going to miss it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like with Meghan Markle, see like what Prince Harry and Meghan Markle left, right? Like Megxit happened and the tabloids have kind of hounded them and put their like side, not the tabloids, but at least like journalistic publications have put like their uh, side of the story way more than whatever statement from the crown and stuff. So I feel like, uh, people are also talking about how like their exit also means that more within the royal family will be empowered to leave um, and be okay about it. So I guess that in the sense that its relevance can just get slowly and slowly diminished where the people inside just find different lives that are that is not determined by royalty or their presence within the royal family. And also because the demographic that I talked about before about like who supports the monarchy, they're also about, like a lot of older people. So they would also die soon. Okay, but let's not forget history, right? That there's also a an heir to the throne in the 20th century, right? An heir to the... And now I'm completely forgetting his name. Someone help me out. But there was the, the guy who was next in line to be king who um, abdicated, I guess, his place in line because he married an American divorcee. And it was like a huge scandal at the time. And he said, I'm choosing love and whatever. And he left the monarchy. And of course, at the time, it was like a huge scandal. And it was this really big deal. And everybody thought, what will happen? And nothing happened. Things went on as your business as usual. No big deal. And ultimately, he ended up getting divorced, I think, like five or six years later. So then people thought like, oh, God, he did it all for nothing. Um, <clears throat> but this has happened before. But so far, we've been only talking about like India and the, the British royal family. But there are so many other like monarchies or like symbolic monarchies and functional ones in in play like all around the world, um and they do have, uh, you know, they do have influence. They do have value. Like I was I was looking at like the king of the Zulu nation, 
in South Africa who like was contributing to like end of apartheid and is still kind of like a stabilizing force when it comes to elections in the area. Um, then like some argue that even the Pope and the the like the Shia Muslim uh, like spiritual leaders like they are also kind of monarchical monarchical in nature um, just because of the influence that they have and uh, the global like element of their uh, like influ- uh, yeah the global element of their uh, power so all of these people get invited to conferences and all of these people get like asked to consult on like global issues and stuff so they do have power it won't be that hard to abolish monarchies especially because they also don't look the same all around the world that also reminded me of uh, the queen of jordan mm-hmm. queen rania and she's like a massive philanthropist right so i think another bit of value that a lot of monarchs bring to um, the table is drawing more attention almost like a first ladyish value sort of bringing attention to philanthropic pursuits drawing attention drawing funds funding it themselves yeah and it's interesting you bring up the queen of jordan because that and thailand i think uh, the monarchs in those countries were actually a unifying force when the military and the government were at odds with each other like they were the ones who kind of existed above all of that uh, and uh, acted as like a symbol of strength and unity for the people so yes figureheads but also probably are given more power than they deserve but they still manage to execute that power in good ways sometimes I mean, still do, right? Like, I mean, just yesterday, I think three activists in Thailand got thrown into jail for insulting the monarchy, whatever that means. Yeah, I feel like just because a few monarchs are good doesn't mean we keep the monarchy, you know? Like, I think that that's just what's happening here. I mean, the institution is evil. A few people who are a part of it would obviously try to do good but you know yeah as we can th- i think the one thing that the harry and however i feel like uh the one thing that this whole harry and megan um interview and just in general the way in which this whole thing is played out is that it actually brings to the fore some of the things that people already knew but they have to face it in this very uncomfortable manner unfortunately at the cost of megan markle but i think it's great that for people the princess fantasy is being demolished you know what i mean it's everybody's fantasy to have like a big wedding and marry a prince and and there was this tweet which said that literally for all the people who are tweeting that this was like a leg up for her why would an independently wealthy black woman ever want to marry into a family where she knows she won't be accepted she would literally rather marry anybody else so i think it has a lot of value in breaking down the way in which royalty functions same thing with what's happening with the gandhi dynasty right it's called a dynasty and with what's happening with the crisis in the congress it shows you the problems with like power being inherited right and power being passed on to people who don't necessarily even want it or care for it um i think it's important to see it breaking down maybe and and like yeah i think this is a good time to abolish it because we've seen it breaking down in different ways and now we can go ahead and like put it to rest maybe yeah i think the value that alti and i were talking about i think those are just the reasons how it would not be easy to abolish it right because whenever i see these calls on twitter about abolish the monarch i mean what does that look like you know like how do you strip something of power when the power that they have is abstract like how would you i don't know like would you like not follow them on instagram uh, and look at all the parties that they are having like what would it look like to abolish it because 
technically india abolished it like uh, i think a half a century ago but like what does that mean the only way for us to abolish it now is to not care hmm. right to not read this content to not watch these interviews to not look at what people are wearing to just not participate i mean that would be like the final death knell i think to these symbolic monarchies but okay but okay hang on just like since we kind of had this conversation about how look the monarchy is literally abolished in a lot of parts of the world and yet we care a lot about like royalty and royal culture and what not like it's it's part of our culture in a way that it's hard to abolish right because it's so systemic so do you think there's any way in which we can change the definition of royalty or like reflect on it more critically so that it can actually be i don't know integrated into how we actually i'm not sure about how to phrase this i feel right? like i feel like this has already happened like for example uh, i think a major criticism that came into for when this whole, like at least in india when uh, the interview dropped was that oh look at all the browns with the colonial hangover talking about the royal family and i was like no it's not the browns with the colonial hangover it's just like a bunch of gossip and it's fun like that's literally it like there is truly no difference between a reality tv star uh, and like the monarchy at this point it's basically the same model only one of them benefits out of having more traditional markers of class and i think people know the difference nobody's really deferential to harry or meghan or the queen anymore while they're talking about it because uh, of uh, any particular like roles it's just like I think we're just chatting about them because it's fun, and like that's prop, and that's the only way they can stay relevant. And I think even the monarchy knows that like there's no like traditional respect left for the monarchy. So like it's just all TV right now, good or bad, depending on your perce- uh, your perceptions. Yeah, I agree with you, Aditi. And I think it's just one of those things which is more interesting to break down. Like from my perspective, as someone who's like. Her podcast series about Diana and whatnot. I think it's one of those things which is interesting to break down because it's a great reflection of time of of the time you live in, and because it's like a longer dynasty and whatever, you can do cross comparisons and see like how did people respond differently, what are the similarities, blah blah blah. Um, so so it's also interesting to do that kind of breakdown. But everybody knows at this point, I think the biggest thing that's coming out of this is that um. Kate and William need a new game plan because whatever they're doing isn't going to fly. <laughs> I feel like that's the only takeaway. On the and next yeah. episode of The Crowns of whatever the show, the show is called. The Crown, The Crown. I also think there is something about the societal aspiration of royalty that I don't like and I think one of the ways in which they're being upheld right now is because like these royals especially I guess in India like No, it's an active perpetuation, right? It's an active perpetuation of royalty. So I think we talked about this in the beginning of the podcast about how we right now we are not obsessed with royalty because it's like cultural and traditional and it's a historical whatever or like I say manifestation of what the country has gone through and stuff, right? It's it's the opulence, it's the show offness of all of it. So like I think there is a way to turn it into an historical relic that makes it a more passive. like as a retrospection on royalty more than an active perpetuation of it then i think it would be something i would be okay to consume at least i would have a choice i also think there's something really wholesome about 
you know, the way that Princess Diana, for example, subverted all of these, all of these norms around the monarchy. And, and she really like sort of embraced the celebrity part of it. So I think one other way to kind of turn this around is if people who have these titles recognize that like at the end of the day, you're no better than a reality TV star. So what are you going to do with the world's eyes on you? What are you going to do with that celebrity power? If you manage to do something influential for good, right? I think that there's a way to actually make that, you know, to, to turn it into a positive thing. Otherwise, I'm not sure where it's going. I, I think, yeah, the note that we end on is that possibly rethinking celebrity, um, beyond royalty is interesting and maybe actually defining it in a positive way for good and i think it's time to give up all of the handcuffs of royalty for sure like all of the curtsying and like whatnot and in the indian versions of that like salam tokna and joby which happens even in like the bureaucracy and all of that i think maybe that is what we can really begin to question the relevance of which i think is much needed if anybody uh gets a pirated version of the interview please send me the link you haven't seen it in your Crazy. feed 8,000 billion times. No, I want to see. Like, That's like the whole thing. thing. Not like all the breakdowns and the reporters. Oh, yeah. so You want to see the 45-minute interview with so the reactions. Boring. Someone I just, started as a Hindi TV series also with like three zooms and like lightning. And... I just kept wondering how many times did Oprah practice these faces? Because there's no way that they didn't do this a few times. Come on, you know, they must have. And so like, she's doing that shocked face when they talked about the skin color. And I was like, you know, you're acting. <laughs> Am I the only one who's annoyed with Oprah? <laughs> no, no, I think a lot of people are. I mean, I've never understood this Oprah thing. Okay. <laughs> I used to watch Oprah as a kid, so I... I... I've never watched anything Oprah related ever.